we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Thank you for everybody joining us online. Thank you, guys, however you're getting to us, Spotify, YouTubes, uh, podcasts, there, there's all kinds of places. Sometimes we appear in cat videos. It's really strange. You go from a cat video to a s- sermon on scary sermons, and, and here you go. Uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. I pray that you felt God's presence in our worship tonight, and I, and I pray that you receive his word, and that his word will speak to your heart. Welcome to the fifth and final week of our sermon series. Someone remind me what it's called. It's called Scary Words. Scary Words. words. We've gone cover to cover in your Bible and picked out what we feel were the scariest words. Week one, we told you the word Ichabod. It's actually a name. What does that name mean? It means the glory has departed, that God's presence would depart is a scary, scary word. In week two, we told you about the scary word that is so hard to say. Anapologitos? Anapologitos. Everyone clap. Anapologitos is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, and it says, without excuse. So to stand before the Lord and have no excuses is a very scary thing. In week three, we, we told you about telling God no, to actually look at God and refuse, to, to look at God and say no. Udukomai means to refuse. How scary it is that someone would ever refuse what God has for them. Last week, we told you about the scary word, guilty. Guilty. We are, and we told you this, this was heavy, it was heavy. We told you that we are not a little guilty. Who remembers that? We're not just a little guilty. Well, you know, if I'm, I'm just only a little guilty, right? Surely I'll get out on parole. No, we are guilty on all counts. If, if we have tripped up on one count of God's commands, we have tripped up on all the counts of God. God's commands. We are guilty on all counts. So that doesn't mean we're just sinners. That just means we're actually the worst of all sinners. We can't look at somebody and say, well, at least I'm not like that guy. No, we are just as bad as sinners as anyone else. But thanks be to Jesus who has taken every one of our charges, all the charges against us, all of the counts against us, and he took those same spikes those same spikes that went through his hands and went through his feet, they have gone through our guilt, they have gone through our our shame, and he has taken all of those charges, and there is a a Jesus-sized hole in those charges. 
How do we know this? Because Colossians 2.14 says it. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. One more time, look at your hands. Imagine the hole in his hands. That is the same size hole that is in your guilt, that is in your shame, and it is in the court case against you. It will not stand. Jesus Christ has nailed it once and for all to the cross. He's glad about it. Who's glad about it? We're glad about it. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be beginning at verse 21. You go ahead and turn with me. In this series, we've gone cover to cover. And early on, we asked you for some help. We asked you to send in your anonymous text on uh, what your scary word in the Bible is. What word could you think of in the Bible that is scary? And tonight, the, the word that came in the most is the very word that we are preaching on tonight. Tonight's scary word is the word most offered to us tonight. So well done. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Our scary word tonight is the word away. Everyone said away. away. It's also the word depart. That word is translated most often in your Bibles as away or depart. You got your more new translations like NIV, you're going to see a way. If you go Old King James Version or New King James Version, you're going to see the word depart. It is surprising to hear Jesus say to someone, depart. Jesus is known for inviting people to come. Isn't that right? Can anybody think of some situations? Jesus looks at unqualified fishermen and invites them to come and follow him, Matthew 4, 19. He reaches out to touch sick lepers rather than calling them unclean and telling them to get out of there. That's Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. Jesus famously says these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Matthew 11 and 28. Some of the last words in your Bible are Jesus offering an invitation to come. Jesus says in Revelation 22, verse 17, last chapter in your Bible, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Right there at the close of your Bible, Jesus gives you the trifecta. Three times he says, let them come. And then he offers them the water of life freely. 
The very same Jesus who gives an invitation to come also commands people to go away. That's interesting, right? I find it surprising. And I find it a little scary that Jesus, who is the only way to God, the only way to heaven, would ever tell us to depart. You got my attention. Look at somebody say, you got my attention. That's a little scary man. I bet any, any of the Hollywood movies are not as scary as that happening. Amen. I guarantee it. This is not the only time Jesus says something like this. Maybe, you, I'm sorry, if you were betting on Jesus might, might have been having a bad day, Tria, that's not it. Because he does this other times. It's not like he has a one-off. This is not an outlier. This is scripture. And he repeats it. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Verse 25, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you. And you taught in our streets, verse 27. But he will reply, I don't know you, where you come from, away from me. All you evildoers. Verse 28, there will be weeping there, gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. Imagine the scenario of these two scripture passages we just gave you. Imagine being on the receiving end of his away with you, evildoer. Depart, get out of here, you evildoer. Imagine for a moment being on the receiving end of that. Can I tell you something? Someone is going to be on the receiving end of that. Do we believe that? Jesus said it. It's going to happen. Jesus is approached in these two stories. Jesus is called Lord in these two stories. The people approaching Jesus remind him of their good works in the story, right? Jesus, hey, hey, buddy, how you doing? Maybe they try to slap him on the back. Hey there, buddy. Hey, what up, chief? We prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. You know, the devil, we were so against the devil, Lord, that we cast him out. In your name. No question whose side we're on. Jesus, we ate and drank with you. We were tight. We were close, you and me. You taught right outside my house. That's how close we were. You were just like right outside my house. I looked outside and I said, there's Jesus. 
He's preaching again. So cool, so good that we're so close, Jesus. That's how they're approaching him. And Jesus says, who are you again? I don't even know you. Away from me. And then he says it. He just goes out and does it, Jeff. He says, you evil doers. In other words, I don't know you, but I know your works. I don't know your name. I don't have like a close relationship with you, but I know your heart. And I know the evil that that lurks there. Jesus tells these people to depart. Can I tell you really quickly today? It is possible to depart. The same Jesus who says come will also say the words away and depart. The same God who says never will I leave you or forsake you. Thank God for that promise. But one day he will look into the eyes of people and say get out of here. Scripture is clear that no one comes to God unless the spirit draws them. So there's the Spirit, God's own, His Holy Spirit is drawing you to Him. And it is God's own Spirit that's drawing us. You didn't decide to come. It's actually Him that has been drawing you the whole time. Yet it is also true that you can resist the Holy Spirit. You can even grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The very Spirit that is drawing you, you can say no to it. You can depart from the will of it. It is possible to depart God's will. Say amen if you agree. It is absolutely possible to depart God's will. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Every time God has drawn you to repentance, but you resisted, that was you departing the will of God. It is possible to depart the will of God. It is possible to depart God's fellowship. It is possible to depart the fellowship of God's people. You know who that is? That's us. Look, somebody said, that's us. Talking about us. It's possible to, to depart The fellowship of God's people. That's why we don't pray for each other. We aren't friendly with each other. We're bitter towards each other and we we won't forgive each other and we're we're just out of here. We can depart, absolutely. It is possible to depart the truth and the true gospel. It is possible to depart the faith. Everything I've said to you, is literal scripture. First Timothy 4 and 1. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith. The word for abandon there, it's a fistime. It's the same word for away. It's the same word for depart. They will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. In the final days... Demons will hold the microphone and preach. That's 1 Timothy 4 and 1. 
Hebrews 3 and 12 says this. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That word for turns away, it's a fistime again. It's a way to depart. That you can depart the living God. See to it. And it has a lot to do with your heart right there. You see that? Your unbelieving heart. See to it that you do not aphistime, apart, depart, away from the living God. So right here, you can abandon the faith and you can depart the living God. There's more scripture that says we can depart. It is possible to depart. No longer enduring sound doctrine, 2 Timothy Four and three. In other words, here's doctrine and you're out of here. I'm not even going to put up with that. This doctrine says that life would be better if I saved myself for marriage instead of just having any kind of sexual encounter I want. I, the whole world has already departed that doctrine. Can I tell you, it is still biblical to save yourself for your wedding night. It is still biblical to save yourself for that marriage union like it says in the Bible. That's just one of the Bible doctrines. People will no longer endure sound doctrine. Hebrews 6 and 6 says this. That you can, that you, the many will fall away and crucify the Son of God afresh. You can fall away. You can fall away. You can fall away. Fall away from what? Fall away from the Holy Spirit, it says in that verse. The, the tasted of the heavenly gift of the Holy Spirit. They have fallen away and crucify the Son of God again. How terrible would it be to crucify Jesus Christ another time? Those that depart do that. How about Romans 125? There are those that will exchange the truth for a lie. They are literally departing the truth and embracing a lie. That's not happening in our world at all, is it? Yes, it is. You bet it is happening in our world. How about Galatians 1 and 6? Be removed from him who called you by his grace and receive another gospel. What is the true gospel? The true gospel is the death. The burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the true gospel. But guess what? There are those who will be removed from him who called them. Called them by what? Grace. Grace. I'll just, we're going to go there. Everybody knows that we're saved by grace through faith. Now here's people, they're called by grace. The same grace that saves called them but they've decided to remove themselves apart themselves depart themselves away themselves from what the true gospel the true grace of God and receive another gospel I'm telling you there are other gospels out there Paul told us about it and he said let anyone who receives another gospel let him be accursed there is no other true gospel, only Jesus Christ. People that tell you that, 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 you know, that, that you can game the system with your faith and become rich and have a prosperity 
gospel. That's not, a fa- that's not a true gospel. That's a false gospel. None of that saves. None of that's true. One guy believed that. I want you to listen to me. You can be poor as, as the most poor person in the world and still be saved. You, want, you can be sick and not feeling well in your body, but still be saved. And there's some people that say, well, you know, if you really were saved, you'd be perfectly well. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You know who best typifies that? Jesus, who showed us what grace really looks like when he received those spikes in his hands. He wasn't so blessed and highly favored when he was beaten in the back. And we are called to be like him in every way he looks at us and he says if anyone will follow after me let him be blessed and highly favored let him be really wealthy and rich and driving a new tesla no let him take up his cross and follow me anybody willing to to take up their cross and follow jesus today then room revelation chapter two and in case you're like yeah, but, but Chris, he's probably talking to fake Christians. They weren't ever really saved to begin with. You will not get past Revelation 2. Jesus is walking among the candlesticks. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And he goes up to one of the churches and he says these words in Revelation 2 and 5. He says, Ephesus, if you do not repent and do the first works again, I will remove your candlestick. He will remove some people. He will remove. He will remove. Scripture is clear. What am I saying here? Bring you back to it. It is possible to depart. It's possible to go away from Christ. It is possible. It is possible. Next, here's what I want you to know. Jesus is looking for more than words. He's not looking for more words. He's looking for more than words. I'm sorry, that was in my notes. I I wrote it wrong. Alex, you're off the hook. But if you could put than in there, that'd be great. Jesus is looking not for more words. That'd be terrible, right? I'll double this sermon because he's looking for words and more words. Thankfully, he's not looking for more words. He's looking for more than words. Look at that. More, more than. It's going to show up eventually. Let's hear it for our tech team. They put up with me. I love them. He's looking for more than. Got to get more than in here. Ah, yeah, go. It is so easy to say words. And show no action. A little less talk, a little more action. Right? Wasn't that an Elvis song? I think so. We have a big Elvis fan in the house, but she's teaching the Sunday school tonight. I think she would have ran to this altar by just. Once I preached, the king is coming, she came unglued. She thought it was. I want to tell you that. It's so easy to say words that don't amount to anything. We can always use words to lie. We can use words to flatter and butter people up in hopes that they will treat us 
favorably. You know, you look at your boss, and you're at your, your big meeting with your boss, your, one, your year in review, and you go, oh, is that a new tie? I've always, you know, you dress so sharp, right? And what are you doing? You're trying to butter him up, right? I mean, are you going to fire the guy who just said you dress really well? I want to tell you that Jesus doesn't fall for any of that. And he's looking for more than just words. This is what he says to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus looked right past all their flattery. He looked past all the words that they said. And he looked right into their heart. Let's look back at our scriptures from Jesus. And I want you to notice the words, Lord, Lord. Will you say the words, Lord, Lord? Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, not, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, in Luke 13, 25, I want to tell you the same phrase appears, but it is translated as sir in most of your modern translations. We read it and verse 25, Luke 25, oh, 13, 25. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes The door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, the word sir there is Lord, Lord. It's the exact same phrase that we read in Matthew chapter 7. These two phrases appear in both of these stories from Jesus. Lord, Lord, open the door for us, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. The word Lord, Lord is Kyrios, Kyrios. Can you say Kyrios, Kyrios? It's Greek for Lord, Kyrios. Every time you see the word Lord, basically in the New Testament, it's this word, Kyrios. In both Matthew 7 and 13 of Luke, the people that Jesus sends away are the ones who use this phrase, Kyrios, Kyrios, Lord, Lord. Kyrios is a title of honor and respect. And it means Master. It means sovereign. Ruler. It means Lord. Kyrios. The people that Jesus sends away are those who have spoken the words Lord, Lord, but have not truly received Jesus as Lord. They're not serving him as Lord. If Jesus is Lord, you know what that means? He's boss. Means he's the master. Means he's the chief. If Jesus is Lord, then he should rule and reign in our life. Do you understand that? If Jesus is Lord, when he speaks, we listen. And if Jesus is Lord, before we just run off and make decisions, we go talk to him and invite him to to show us his will. If Jesus is Lord, we should always seek his will in all things. If Jesus is Lord, he would have us live differently. Kyrios, kyrios are not magic words that that get us what we want. Calling Jesus Lord is not a magic word. 
Calling Jesus Lord is a responsibility. It's a responsibility to call Jesus Lord. Luke chapter 6 verse 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. Three verses later, verse 49. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent, the storm struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. We are not to just call Jesus, Lord, Lord. We're supposed to live out, Lord, Lord, because he wants more than words. Here's our quick review. It is possible to depart. When we hear the commands of Jesus but refuse to obey, we have departed. We're either walking with Jesus or we are walking away from Jesus. Which direction are you walking today? Next, Jesus is looking for more than words. That is my phone, if you'll turn that off. That is my phone right there. There we go. Text me later. Jesus is looking for more than words. We must call him master, but also treat him as master. In fact, calling him master means very little. Making him the master of your life. That's what truly matters. We can sing all these wonderful songs. And we sing some wonderful songs about exalt who he is. But I'm telling you, it's not about the words we sing as much as it's about it's our heart that puts him as the king. Puts him as the boss. Lives that out in our lives. It's got to go beyond words. Or else Jesus will look at us and say, you honor me with your mouth. And your lips, but your heart is far from me. Is Jesus really our Lord? Jesus knows. Jesus knows if he really is our Lord. He will not be fooled. And he knows he's our Lord because we obey him. Those are his words. He knows he's our Lord because we obey him. Somebody say scary doctrine. It's going to get rough. Buckle up. Let's trust each other on this scary journey together. Look, somebody say, I don't trust him at all. Do do you know him? Because I don't trust him at all. Just I want to tell you about a scary doctrine that's prevalent. I guarantee you, you've heard of it. And just just stick with me. If you've got questions about it, I'm glad to answer them. These two points that it's possible to depart and that Jesus is looking for more than words are even more scary when we consider the prevalent teaching of the sinner's prayer. Who's heard the term sinner's prayer? What Bible verse did you read that in? It's not in there. It's not in there. All over the Metroplex and the world, people gathered at church and they heard a message. I'm so glad that they were there. I'm so glad that they heard a message from the Bible. I'm so glad about it. Don't put that down at all. Not putting down any church. At the end of that message, people were led to say a repeat after me prayer. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever seen that? Maybe, maybe you've prayed that, and I'm not putting down that experience. 
But after repeating the words, the people were told that they were eternally saved and were guaranteed to make heaven their home. It happens in just about every church. It happens in every telecast, right? The, the largest church in America, he ends every service. I don't want to end the day without leading you in the sinner's prayer. And if, you, if you said that prayer with us, we believe you got born again. And we hope you find a, a, a good church. And listen, I hope they found a good church and I hope they prayed that with, with their full heart. I, I, I really do. And I know my message today right now is really not popular. In fact, it is absolutely swimming up stream, completely against the culture, the church culture. But I declare to you today that Jesus is looking for more than words. And it's not going to do any good for us to just put words inside people's mouths for them to repeat. That's not it. Your repetition of words did nothing if it did not come from your heart. Doesn't matter how pretty you pray. Doesn't matter how long you pray. Doesn't matter if you had, you know, tears when you prayed or any of these emotions. No, it matters what happens inside your heart. And can I tell you, you can't fake that. You can't fake what happens inside your heart. Your heart actually has to surrender to the Lord. Mm. When your heart is full of faith and, and, and you are walking into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's when that prayer matters. And it is possible to depart. Those that say, Lord, Lord, but were not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, they were sent away. How many people, this is scary to me, this is stuff that keeps me up at night, Deborah. This is stuff that really bothers me. How many people have said a sinner's prayer, joined a church, volunteered their time, attended a small group, been baptized, yet will stand before Jesus one day and hear him say the surprising words away. I never knew you. Guys, that's going to happen. I do not want you to go into eternity and experience that. I will do anything. I will do anything. I will do anything. Let's pray, pray, and pray. We'll pray again. We'll pray more. Yes, God. We'll, we'll repent together. We'll go have more Bible studies. We'll just go worship together. We'll have more First Tuesdays. We'll have every Tuesday if we need to. But I don't want that to happen to anyone in this room. And it could. It could. Why do we have... Why does pastor have an altar call every time we come to church? Doesn't he know I was saved back in 1971? Praise God for that. Here's why we're having that. Because Jesus is worth coming back to over and over and over again. Keep on coming back. Keep on coming back. Keep on seeking him. Keep on loving him. And listen, if you said that sinner's prayer once and you said it in your heart, that's awesome. Do it again. Talk to him again. Reach out to him again. Pray to him again. Yes, Jesus. 
Not that you have to chase down an experience over and over again, but that you are chasing down the king and making sure he's wearing every crown in your life. Mm. I want you to take this seriously. We need to know Jesus. We need to live for Jesus. We need to talk to Jesus in prayer. We need to know his word. We do that Bible memory thing. You know why? Because the Bible says there's powerful things that happens when his word is hidden in your heart. We need to know his word. There does not need to be dust on our Bibles. We need to exalt Jesus in our lives. Everywhere we go, we're lifting him up. We're, we're, we're pointing to him. Our lives are facing him. If I've ruffled anyone's doctrinal feathers today, I, first I would challenge you. Here's the challenge, very kindly. I challenge you to find me anywhere in the Bible where someone was led in a sinner's prayer and they were told that they are eternally secure. Find that in scripture. I will tell you will not find that in scripture, but I'm glad to talk to you about it. I'll even buy you Starbucks. where you can get one of the really fruity ones if you want. We'll just we'll do it up. You will not find that version in the Bible. Here is what you will find. Instead, it's what Jesus commanded. Jesus commanded that we believe the gospel and are baptized. Matthew 16. He, he commanded that we repent and receive the forgiveness of sins in his name. Luke 24. He commanded that we receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, John 20, Acts 1. Jesus commanded that because we're born again, because we believe, because our lives are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we should be witnesses everywhere. Witnesses of who? Witnesses of Jesus Christ everywhere. Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 47 through 49, Acts 1 through 8. All of them red letters. All of them Jesus talking. That's the plan straight from Jesus. I suggest we do it. Redemption Church, I suggest that we hold tight to the commands of Jesus and we don't apologize for it. I, I suggest that we be a church that just when we come together, we repent. We just do it again. We repent again. God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of every one of my sins. While you're worshiping, you can repent. During the prayers, you can repent. During the altar call, you can repent. During the sermon, you can repent. You can just silently say, God, I am a sinner. I just remembered those sinful things I did. Forgive me of them. I turn away from them. I'm going to turn towards you because that's what repentance is. You, we're talking about departing, going away from Jesus. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance is turning around and coming towards Jesus again. And every day of our life, let us do that. Every day that we live, let us do that very thing. Somebody say away. away. Somebody say depart. depart. One day. Everyone you know 
will stand before the Lord. One day, you will stand before the Lord. I'll be there too. Me. Pastors do not get out of this. They're like, oh, step right this way. It's a special line for pastors. It doesn't happen. Every person is going to stand before the Lord and no person is going to be worthy. No person is going to be sin, like, like a sinless person that they never made a mistake. That, that's none of us. None of us. The only one that is that is actually Jesus. And bad news, he's the judge. The perfect sinless judge, Jesus Christ. And we're all going to stand before Kyrios, the Lord. What will he say? What will he say? Will he say, away? Will he say, depart? Will he say, I know who you are, I know your deeds, and they are evil. Jesus will come day, will one day say, away. As we're drawn to a close, I want, I want to bring you back to this. That day has not yet arrived. That's some good news. There's still time. Look, somebody say, there's still time. There's still time, there's still time, there's still time. One day he will say, away. But you know what he says right now? He says, come. He says, come. He invites you right now, come. I hope I pray right now. Father, will you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us.